happy Mother's Day. And, uh, and I hope you are enjoying this beautiful morning. And a warm welcome to folks who are listening from wherever you are, and especially from Songas in Madison, England, Switzerland, and Alpine, Texas, and our dear friends in Hawaii and Chicago. So um, I'll, I'm going to give announcements at the start so that we don't have to get um, them after the service and everything. So uh, Apamata will remain closed through the month of May. This is to assure the safety of the Sangha, and we hope you'll be patient as we attempt to learn how to allow folks to return safely. Um, and this week, our Dharma talk will be offered by Joan Harmon, our head student. So we'll continue our practice period for the time being. So please pay attention to the four Brahma Viharas, both as you are receiving them and as you are radiating them. As a reminder, our theme for the practice period is the Brahma Viharas or four immeasurables of benevolence, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. And then uh, uh, a reminder, this evening, uh, Young Zen will meet online and Tuesday, Flint will again offer inquiry on Zoom. The link is in the calendar. Uh, and so Saturday morning, there's a meditation and discussion of women in Zen at 8, followed by the Buddhist Action Now meeting, which has moved to 11. So those are the announcements, and I'm going to turn things over to Joan. All right. I hope some of you are still with us. <laughs> um, let me see. Yes, you are. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's so good to see you and so nice to be spending the morning with you. Uh, as with Peg, I want to uh, wish each mother a happy Mother's Day and each child of a mother a wonderful day of being. We will be writing this morning to prompts, so if you don't have pen and paper handy, you'll want to get some. Uh, the latter part of the year, Peg began teaching the Brahma Viharas, which she just gave a nice introduction of. They are unconditional kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. They have been called the divine abodes, and that's the term Peg likes. I think she likes to think of us inhabiting them. Other people call them the four immeasurables the four limitless ones. The Brahma Viharas are the teaching of our spring practice period that Peg uh, mentioned that was originally going to uh, end May 24th and now will end with the intensive when it occurs, which might be in June. The Brahma Viharas involve op the opening of ourselves. Unconditional kindness is the opening of love and goodwill to ourselves and to others. Compassion is the opening to the suffering in ourselves and others. Sympathetic joy is opening to the happiness of others. Equanimity is holding those three with balance and equipose. It involves a deep understanding that feelings are impermanent. They are not bound up in self, I, me, mine. The Buddhist teacher Ayakima said of the Brahma Viharas, they are the only emotions worth having. 
Now, I, I might quibble with some of that, but I embrace her enthusiasm for the Brahma Viharas. In one of her Dharma talks, Peg explained how we can grow our capacity in radiating the Brahma Viharas. While meditating, we can visualize radiating each one of the divine abodes in each of the four directions, north, south, east, west, and above and below. Peg said she even goes in between to northeast, southeast, southwest, northwest. You can't be too, too thorough in this. In Peg's teachings, she points out that the Brahma Viharas are fundamentally relational. As we come to the end of this study today, I thought we would focus on the relationality of the Brahma Viharas. With unconditional kindness, the relationality is, I care. With compassion, it is, I see you. I recognize your suffering. I work for its release. For sympathetic joy, the relationality is, I celebrate your joy with you. I am delighted for you. With equanimity, it is holding all of this in balance. I am a stable presence for myself and others in an unstable world and in uncertain times. With the Brahma Viharas, we express our Buddha nature. I would like for us to explore today how the Brahma Viharas are present in our lives with others. I thought we could do that best through a writing experience. So please take out your paper and pen and I will offer prompts for your response. There are questions. You will have five minutes to complete each question. If you finish ahead of time, just remain in silence until the next prompt. The first two-part question is think of about a person you have known who radiated unconditional kindness, loving kindness, benevolence. How did it feel to be with this person? And the second part of that question is think about a difficult situation you are in or have been in and inhabit it at this person. How would that be different for you? Question two, part one. Think about a person you have known who has radiated compassion. How did it feel to be in this person's presence? And part two of question two, think about a difficult situation you are in or have been in, inhabit it as this person. How would that be different for you? Question three, part one. Think of a person you have known who's radiated sympathetic joy, experienced joy from others' joy. How did it feel to be in this person's presence? And part two, think about a situation in the present or past when you have heard about someone's good fortune. 
inhabit it as the person you identify as sympath radiating sympathetic joy. How would that be different for you? And you might have guessed what might be the fifth, fourth question, part one. Think of a person you have known who has radiated equanimity. How did it feel to be in this person's presence? And part two, think about a difficult situation you are in or have been in. Inhabit it at this person. How would that be different for you? Okay, we will now break into small groups to discuss what our writing revealed. Uh, it would be helpful if one person in each group would act as facilitator to assure that all voices are heard. Uh, Anne, would you give us 15 minutes for this period? And uh, then we'll return to the entire group for a short time of sharing and then for service. Looks like everyone's back. Okay, uh, Paul, a few of you still muted. I'm sure that's by choice. Oh, I guess I'm, oh, can everyone be unmuted so that uh, they could make comments? Ah, there's, there's a lot of you. Not our monitor, but that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's by choice. Uh, uh, were there any things, uh, and I guess people could raise their hands, is that right, Anne, or you can yes. speaking? There's a function, at the, if you click on participants at the bottom of your Zoom screen, there's an option there to raise your hand. And so if anyone would like to just share some of the things from your uh, group or some of the things that you recognize, we'd love to hear. John, I don't know if you see, but Anne's hand is raised. Uh, no, I can't. Would you just go ahead and do that for me? No, sure. Jo well, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, two of the people in my group, myself and somebody else in the group, had we were talking about imagining or remembering someone that had equipoise, and we were talking about how... Um, that's a little uncomfortable because we are so used to basing our react our impressions of a situation and a and ourselves on how someone is reacting to us and when someone is very balanced um not on my side not on their side how that can feel a little uncomfortable hmm. they aren't 
they aren't meeting your emotion. They're not joining it. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. I was thinking about that differently about um, how helpful it is when I'm rattled or distressed to have someone who isn't rattled and distressed by what I'm experiencing enough so that I can kind of get my bearings and uh, that their steadiness is uh, so welcome when I'm uh, disoriented or upset or distressed in some way. Yeah, and I think about this person and they are who I go to when I'm rattled and distressed. But in a sort of social context, I'm so used to all the little clues that it, it really makes me aware of how my fear of being judged when I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Ah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because you have an expectation for yourself that you would always project assurance. Or that I'll always be uh, seen as pleasant and agreeable. Mm. And, yeah. Yeah. I uh, hesitate to interject this and Peg straighten me out afterwards. <laughs> I mean, in this group. Uh, I was with a group on Friday talking and uh, we were talking about this issue uh, of being at a different level than other than who you are and that the uh, a, a therapist in it said that the brain there's something in the brain and I can't I shouldn't even talk about it since I don't know but needs to be met and that it can be helpful to meet that person's intensity and then come back down so that they feel met, but then to say, and let's see if we can find a way to feel more comfortable in this or, or whatever, but then to, to bring them back down. That was a discussion we had. <clears throat> yeah, equanimity isn't about being a stoic. It's about that capacity to return to balance even after becoming unbalanced so uh, so that we are not so that we don't lose our connection with our vow so joel is joel is saying something um, he's he's muted oh you don't have to be muted joel Joel's still muted. Oh, yeah, you're muted. He probably well, can't unmute himself. He can't unmute himself. And, and um, he, he has to go to the corner on the left down to mute her. Joel, Joel is now, okay. Now, okay. Now I'm unmuted. Now I'm unmuted. Yes. I'm hearing a delay. Hearing five, a delay. Seconds. Five, five seconds. And an echo. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mute myself again. No, no, no. Okay. I, just, I wanted to say just so when when um the the question was first brought up about about equanimity, it, it was that 
it, uh, it, it really implies a connection with the other, uh, the other uh, three qualities, the sympathetic joy mm. and compassion and, and loving kindness that uh, otherwise it's, it's not like, you know, as I've typed, it's not like talking to a robot. Yeah. Um, it's, and, and the experience for me of being with someone who has real equanimity, as Peg was saying, has something to do with um, uh, a feeling that they that they recognize competence in me and have some confidence in me uh, and uh, are are willing to be with me however things turn out. So that's it. Thanks. I also think of it as that quality, that bodhisattva quality of belief that everything is workable. So whatever experience is arising, whatever the upset is, it's all workable. And I think that also um, gives some confidence uh, and establishes some trust. So I don't particularly want to share my upset with someone if I think it's also going to upset them um, if it's somehow mm. going to be contagious or bring them down or make them worried about me or um, you know i um, i much prefer that it be someone who can hold a space where all that can move without themselves being rattled by it but that we can together look at it in a way that makes it workable so that means I can't, uh, I, I can't really trust that communication if I worry that it's going to toss the other person. Um, so, hmm. yeah. Um, Kim, has his hand raised? Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to say first that, that um, I wasn't getting getting this at all until we did this exercise today, Joan. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking just now about how uh, there's this expression about giving something a face. And then I was thinking about these famous photographs that we connect to, to different situations like the end of World War II, where the the two soldiers in Jemaya, however you pronounce that, but they were putting a flag down, or, you know, or the guys on the moon, or there's so many situations where they really, we remember them because of this face or this photograph. And, and I was thinking of a situation too, in the study where someone was being really bothering me and Peg was there and completely uh, equanimous, it appeared, about this situation <laughs> and how, how uh, you know, that made me question how I was responding. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it, was, it was important. So, so those situations, but um, the word equanimous or, you know, or, or loving kindness or any of them doesn't mean that much until um, I start to imagine something. So it was help, so, such a helpful exercise. Thank you, Joan. Well, and I have to say, Peg is the best at prompts and she helped me with these. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Kim. I, I do think it's helpful to, um, to 
have had the, um, the experience of these qualities embodied in a person. It helps us see them more concretely and more also more accessibly. Uh, it, as I was saying, most of the qualities that, that um, I encountered in each of these people were expressed in tiny moments or small gestures or just a gaze. They weren't big heroic efforts or, you know, massive undertakings on my behalf. They were very tiny moments that, that had a huge, huge impact. Mm. So that's something to remember is that we can never really predict when our tiny gestures of kindness, which seem almost inconsequential to us, have an inordinate impact on others. Uh, I would, hello? Yeah. Uh, I would like uh, to share a little bit my experience because it was very interesting. Um, what I can say is that when I was scanning the first three Brahma Viharas, I could feel that in some way or another, they work within me and I can feel uh, how the other person that is having the, the, the Brahma Vihara can affect me. And I could feel or I could have the feedback uh, over there. But it's interesting and I can find out and I don't know if it's just because of this exercise that I had some kind of problems with equanimity. So I couldn't uh, attain this equilibrium that is typical or characteristic of, of this uh, Brahma Vihara. Instead, I, I tend to be a one more with one of the other ones. Uh, it's for me is more difficult just to be in this kind cold state. I don't know if, if I can call cold state because it's so uh, in equilibrium that I don't feel I don't know, comfortable, or I cannot get it, or I didn't practice. I would like to know your, your opinions. What can be this, or what can I do to practice? I, I don't know what you will do, but I can give you an example. Um, when I was uh, out at the one-month intensive at uh, Atenzo, um, I went, I was brushing cushions off. It was four o'clock in the morning and I was brushing cushions off in the Zendo and I got stung by a scorpion. Mm. So I've never been stung by a scorpion before. I had no knowledge about what it meant to be stung by a scorpion. I didn't know if I was about to die. I didn't have any idea what to do. And <clears throat> I, so I went back into the main lodge and there was Colin. Um, and Colin was a fellow practitioner, fellow priest, 
And I said, I've been stung by a scorpion. And I was really rattled and, and really in shock. Like I didn't, I didn't have any idea what was going to happen. And he said, oh, here's what we do about that. We put meat tenderizer paste on it. We have meat tenderizer over here. We make a paste and we put it right on the sting. And you're going to feel a little rattled for a little bit, and then you're going to be fine. That was equanimity. He knew exactly what to do. I was completely rattled, completely freaked out in, in a way that I couldn't even, even articulate. And, um, and, that, and it was knowing what, uh, you know, how to not only um, uh, provide first aid in the situation, but how to be that voice of calm and reason and information that I needed right in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, it makes sense, a lot of sense. Uh, but uh, I would like to know what was the impact when, he, when you were so scared about the situation, what was the impact in you when he just, with this coldness, just said something to you and... Everything relaxed. Everything relaxed. Everything relaxed in that moment, yeah. Well, that's amazing. And then I felt the, you know, tingling and, you know, a little, you could feel it in your nervous system. Uh, I felt that uh, kind of electricity in the nervous system, but I wasn't frightened of it anymore. That goes along with the idea of everything being workable. Yeah. 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 And, and just that um, a certain quality of presence, he was comple completely unruffled by that. Of course, he'd grown up on a ranch. He'd probably been stung by scorpions a hundred times, you know, so there's experience is sometimes valuable in that situation right and yeah that's the point yeah and it's a one and it's a one-time thing but it's that quality and it's the quality that you hope a nurse will bring when you're you know sick or in the hospital or the quality that you hope a doctor will bring or a quality that you hope a teacher will bring when you're confused and don't understand a problem and um, it's that sense this is all workable this all is going to have a good outcome. And some other's quality that I think of as, I'm here for you. You're not alone in this. And that, um, that you can take to the bank. Thank you. Paul? Uh, Paul, you need to be unmuted. Can you unmute yourself? There you go. Okay, I think I'm unmuted now. There you go. As we talk about this quality of uh, equanimity, and I'm in agreement with some of you who shared that that was a, a little challenging but the thing that comes up for me when uh, trying to answer some of the questions, or at least after we've talked about this, the thing that comes up for me with regard to equanimity and the challenges is my ego. 
it seems to me that with the other qualities, uh, loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy, I have received those from others. And so I have a better sense of, of what, those, what those feel like so that then I can express that or radiate that. So I have a sense of it. And each of those loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, to some extent have um, uh, addressed my ego. They, they have, they have uh, that, that, that's how I'm able to, um, to identify with them in part through, through addressing my ego, validating my ego. Whereas with equanimity, uh, the challenge is that the person that is being, that is expressing this Brahmavihara, this, this quality to me, my ego, my ego kind of feels like, well, I need validation. I need validation. And that's not like loving kindness. And that's not like sympathetic joy coming my way. And so, so for me, that, that's the challenge is that my ego needs that validation and equanimity doesn't seem to be providing that. Um, None of them really should be, but um, but I can see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but that's the challenge. That that's what comes up for me. And then then when I recognize that, I try, I do try, I do try to settle in this place that we've been referring to as a balance, and to recognize that um, yeah, that the ego is the thing that's sort of in the way of being able to express or receive those qualities. Well, Paul, you were a firefighter. So when you go into a fire and there's somebody trapped in a fire, that quality of equanimity is absolutely essential to to rescue them. Right? They may be, they may be screaming, uh, but you have to be calm, right? Right. That's some, the, the, those, those things that occur in emergencies, at least from my experience, are pretty much done uh, automatically as a result of training and, and the purpose of being there. You know, you know, the purpose is to do that, and then I employ the training. Wow. So I almost, I don't know, I don't know this for sure, but I almost feel like those qualities aren't even a consideration. I'm just kind of almost... Uh, responding on automatic. But you have to stay calm. Well, yes, that's for sure. Yeah. And in our intensive uh, that started all this, uh, we actually trained in the Brahma Viharas. It was wonderful. It was an integrated intensive. And in the morning, we we learn about one, and then we go about our day training in radiating the. So, yeah. Training is a good uh, a good way of looking at it. <laughs> so you have a couple hands there, Joan. Sandra, I can't see that. So. Yeah, Sandra has her hand raised, and so does Ellen. If you click on participants, Joan, and you have the list of them on the right, you'll see their little blue hands are up. Oh, wow. oh their little blue hands. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll. Ellen first. She's first in the alphabet. Sandra was first. Okay, Sandra, you were first. Yes, I mute herself. Oh, and can you unmute? Okay. 
There we go. Uh, I really appreciate the exercise. Really, now what they say, I can really feel this Brahma, Brahma Mahara experience in my body. So it was making a lot more sense, more the equanimity. That was the most difficult for me to understand, to embody. But now what you're explaining makes a lot more sense. And I think in some way, everybody would practice that, but we don't realize and we don't put the name. Mm. And that's for me, my, my difficulty to, to understand that. And, and I, one thing that I noticed in the exercise that was very, very helpful for me, I was just dealing with my conditions going around towards some people. And this really helped me to really see through the, this other person the kindness, the compassion, and the equanimity. And I completely released, it was just releasing all these boundaries because it was, I was just caught in that, my mind, but I realized that it was just my condition and the other people condition. So in this moment, it was just releasing all that. It's, it's really wonderful. And it was very, very helpful for me. Thank you so much. Well, and I, you you said earlier how uh, you saw that you had a lot of these qualities, and uh, in our uh, intensive, what I saw is this, at least in part, is our Buddha nature, and this is what we can we can train in radiating our our Buddha nature. Ellen, you wanna? Yeah. Um... In regards to what Peg and Paul were saying, what stuck out to me was, well, in Peg's situation, this fellow, he knew what to do about the scorpion bite. And so that was very, uh, you know, gave the situation a lot of confidence. And, um, and Paul talking about, well, I was trained. I just react the way I was trained. And, and then what Peg was saying about she said that the the and a person with equanimity sees the whole picture they have confidence that this is a, a workable situation and um and that takes a lot of work to be that person <laughs> you know because my own fear you know i'm i'm thinking about how i was as a parent there were a whole lot of things i was very equanimitous about for my kids things i understood and they they would be you know especially little kids they hurt themselves or whatever and and you can be very i could be very uh i could offer equanimity oh you're all right come here let me hold you hey isn't that better or whatever you know you you could i didn't have fear i could see it wasn't a fearful situation but especially as they got older i did have my own fears about their behavior and didn't handle it nearly as well. I'd love to do all of that over again. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> Maybe not. I know I could do it better. Uh, so I was thinking about, I don't know, our practice and how it takes practice to be equanimitous. That's yeah, it. I think that's absolutely right. This is why we sit so that we can meet circumstances without getting so rattled that we can't find a beneficial way to be in the situation, you know. <clears throat>
so that when and so that when people are distressed we can be a calming presence so we can't do that if we're reactive it's just not possible and kathy king has her hand raised i do i i don't know if you're running out of time though um i just wanted to interject this uh stort short story of uh, being in Ireland last year when my cousin had died and I was struggling with whether to uh, go home or, or not even home but going to Atlanta from there and uh, being part of the funeral uh, party and to even uh, re do a reading there and I was really going through angst about it and um, I was standing next to the woman that that summer uh, became a Roshi. And she looked at me and she said, how would you like it if we had a service here for him tonight? And that changed everything. And as Peg said, my, my body just immediately relaxed because that felt like it was the right way to go. And, and it was such a simple thing. And it brought everything together. And I stayed. And thank you. <laughs> thank you all for your wholehearted uh, participation in this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. So we'll, um, we'll do service. And, um, and then uh, I don't know if folks are interested in um, having breakout rooms after the service for a little just social, you know, connection, but I'm happy to set that up, you know, or have uh, Anne set it up so we have, you know, a little bit of time after. <clears throat> so it uh, looks like everybody probably needs to be muted again. And um, we'll do service, except me. <laughs> <laughs>